Sunday evening. It is the 21st of May, 2023. Kathy Lara is here in the studio. Good evening, Kathy. Good evening, Rob. How are you? Yeah, good. Good to have you with us. And would you like to introduce your lovely guest here yes, with us tonight? we have uh, as our guest this evening, um, Sylvia Garza. And uh, Miss Garza is a returning guest on our show, and we always love having her here. And uh, we look forward to continue having her back on the show. She just has so much, uh, she's a wealth of information, has seen the transformation of the city, has participated in a lot of the civic organizations here in town, and is a trailblazer kind of in the civil rights movement. You know, she's done so much uh, for the um, Hispanic people here in, in, in the city as far as civil rights goes. So we want to welcome her to the show this evening. Welcome, Mrs. Garza. Welcome, everybody. So, uh, you know, the last time that you were here, we uh, spoke a little bit about the American GI Forum, and I know that the American GI Forum is something that is really close to your heart. And, um, you know, in my conversations with you, I, I went home and I told my brother Nick, and I think sometimes you see these things and you take them for granted, but I, I really did not know the full mission of the American GI Forum. And he said to me, he's like, hello, it has GI in it. And I said, yes, I, I knew that, but I really didn't understand until I sat down with you and you kind of explained that to me. So, uh, and I think it's very important that we keep these organizations um, that came to the forefront at this at this time in, in our history. And so I explain to us a little bit more, tell us a little bit more about, about the Amer- American GI Forum, how it was founded, the reason it was founded, where it was founded in the year? Well, the GI Forum was uh, started in March the 26th, 1948, and it was uh, established and founded by Dr. Hector P. Garcia out of Corpus Christi. And the reason for him uh, applying for this for this uh, GI Forum, he was in World War II, and he saw how the segregation was so bad, discriminating about this and discriminating that. And and so he decided, well, I'm going to do something about it. So he started gathering men together to, to form the chapter. And as soon as he formed the chapter, he had people to come and join in uh, as members. And uh, he had a lot of members from the fields that they worked, you know, they feel a lot in the work, uh, picking cotton and all that stuff. So he would go to the fields and and ask them if they would like to join the the GI form, you know. And he explained what it was for, and he said, he, we, "I need them because we need to fight. We need to fight this discriminating people." And uh, a lot of people would go to the doctors, and they were not they they didn't want to see them, you know, and stuff like that. And, uh, of course, others, others would go to restaurants and they say, no, we can't serve you. you got to go around the back, you know, and stuff like that. And he said, no, it's not going to happen that way anymore because I, was, I went to war to fight for this country and everybody should be equal. So that's why it started. And then, of course, education. He wanted, instead of the kids being out on the field working, he wanted the kids to be in school to learn you know, to learn something so that they could get ahead. And he would, in the meetings, he would preach this to all the parents that were members, and he would he would 
talk to them and teach them that their children should go to school. Yes, they had to work in the fields, but let them work after school. Send them to school because they got to learn. They got to be somebody, you know, and that's why Jeff Farm was was established. In instrumental in mm -hmm. the education. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in reading, in reading uh, about the organization and you know, I know you don't really like to talk a lot about the racism part of the racism part of stuff. And, you know, I think every we all have a common experience, but sometimes our experiences are, are different. Right. Mm -hmm. And some of us, we can push that racism uh, stuff aside. But I think the one thing that we do know was that that it was prevalent. It was there. And um, when reading, I I often see them talk about uh, the soldiers, uh, American born soldiers, um, but they don't they don't call them American. They call them Mexican American. Yes. And so you know, if you're born here in this country, your nationality is America. American. Mm -hmm. And so I so often see that 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 uh, you know American hyphen uh, Mexican Mexican Americans. Yeah, I see that quite some time, and that's why. Dr. Hector B. Garcia would be fighting for all of that, you know, that that shouldn't be, the, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, eventually um, he said, well, this is going to be spread all over the world. He said, I'm going to spread it all over the states. I'm going to perform GI Farm all over the states, not just here in Corpus. So he started going to towns and and started gathering people to be on the GF farm. He worked very hard on everything, and then he had a lot of other members that would follow him, you know, and go with him. And uh, so we were the third city to join the American GF farm. You know, San Marcos was the third city. And then it went on to, you know, Illinois, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, all the states, you know. Yeah, I, you know, you said that, and I find that, uh because now that I'm doing the show and I'm talking to uh, a lot of people and um, I see how involved that that so many of them were. You know, I talked to uh, the, the Gomez's from the cleaners and the Martinez's from the cleaners and to Ronnie. And there was a sense, uh, I, I think, that I see of a lot of activism here in our town. And so when you said that they were the, the, the third ones here, mm -hmm. I think San Marcos must have been a hotbed for a lot of the Hispanic community yes, here to be was. involved. Yes, it was. That's why uh, they joined right away, you know. And, of course, we had a lot of intelligent men, you know, that um, Spanish, you know, that, that would uh, like to do something about it. And they joined right away, and they performed. They made the chapter, and then... Uh, so they started working on it, and the, it kept on and on and on, you know. And then we had conferences, like twice a year we would have conference, like in June and July. June would be the state conference, and July would be national. That national would mean all over the states they had to come to the conference, wherever um, it was held. I, I read uh, that... Um and and maybe you can tell me that they were they were segre segregated in in the um, from a lot of the other oh, they were segregated and they could not join a lot of the other veterans organizations. Is that correct? Is that why they formed the American GI Forum? Or well, no, not really. Uh, but uh, they normally wouldn't uh, even think about uh, joining the join, others. Joining the others because they knew that they were discriminating. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to be discriminated, so I said, well, if they can do it, we can too, mm -hmm. you know, and we can do it better.
And then you mentioned also about uh, the care, you know, a lot of the soldiers that came back did come back with, you know, with ailments. And so when you come back as a soldier like that, you mentioned about the care. So a lot of uh, doctors would not see them in their private practices or could they not go to a hospital? Well, uh, they could if they had the money, Mm. but they had to go to the wherever there was a, a, a base, you know like San Antonio, Austin, or wherever there was a hospital for the soldiers, and they would see them. But uh, over here in town, they had to have money. Mm-hmm. They were not just going to see them because they were soldiers, you know. Yeah, you, you can have a, a, if you had a private care physician, you had mm-hmm. to pay out of pocket. Yeah. Which a lot of Hispanics at that time, you know, they, they were considerably time, poor. Yes. They, they couldn't afford those things. Later on, they fought and fought at, towards the valley because from the valley, they had to come all the way to San Antonio to see the doctor, and there was a, a long trip to come. If, if, if you were very sick, well, you you know, you'd barely make it. It was so far. And then you had to wait there until it was your turn, you know. And uh, so the GI form fought and fought and fought till they finally uh, gave them a card so they could go to the hospital, I mean, to the doctors over there. And they kept on fighting until they built that hospital. Yeah, and it and it took them a long time to, oh, well, to get there. Oh, it took them years. Right? Yes, it took them years before they even built that that hospital. It took them like, I want to say like five or six years mm-hmm. before they could even build that hospital because, you know, we kept bugging and bugging and bugging until they did it. Do Do you know if there was um, when the uh, soldiers like the. Uh, this, uh, black soldiers and the Mexican-American soldiers or Asian soldiers went into the Department of Veterans Affairs for um, for uh, medical care. Were they given the same type of medical care, or was it at a much lower par than what other soldiers would get? No, if it was in the, in the military, they would get the same kind of care because there they were equal. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what it was, they were equal. But in outside that, no. You know, it was a different thing. And uh, you mentioned that um, the organization was also in, involved in education. Um, so did the, well, let me go back and say, because you told me, and I didn't know this, that, that if you were a member of the American GI Forum, you could not um, lobby for representatives or pick a slate of candidates. You had to be free from uh, any type of political um, um you, you you could not uh, slate slate candidates, right? So you could no, you personally. you cannot participate. Yeah, right. You cannot participate in any uh, political stuff. Using and, the American GI form. Yeah, and and the, and the from the American GI form, mm-hmm. you cannot say, "I'm the GI form and I'm going to fight." No, you can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, on your own, without, be, be, without mentioning that you belong to the GI form, and you cannot say that and be in the political stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, at the American GI Forum, you mentioned education, and we all know that that's important, right? Because that's the only way that you're you're going to advance. You right. know, you you can work hard, but it takes a lot of hard work. And if you do it the education way, um, it, it it comes a little bit easier. So how did they set their slate for what they wanted as far as education? As education was, you know, he's telling you. Um, you know, go out and educate your children. Don't don't let them work during the you know the school hours. Um, 
other than saying that to them, was there like a big push and reform for education? Yes, there was. Uh, he really believed in education, and he tried every which way to get the parents to send the kids to school. Um, he would get, like, they would get the mothers together and, and talk to the mothers, and, and not only for the parent, to the daddy, but to the mama too. They would gather them and tell them, look, it is very important that you send your kids to school. We've already talked to your husband, but maybe he has not talked to you all about it. So it's very, very important, and you will see. And, and of course, our motto was, you know, freedom is our business, and freedom should be everybody's business, you know. Um, yeah, I, I had that written here because I saw that, and I just thought, I mean, how, how um, you know, if you think about it, it's just not for one, but it's for everybody. Everybody, yeah, right? it is. Because freedom is for everybody, you know. <laughs> and if you go to school and educate yourself, I mean, there it is, you know. Um, you know, the the Hispanic culture um, is very, um, I'm not going to say backwards, but we have certain rituals, right, and things that we abide by. And, um, you know, for fathers, it was important that their sons work hard because that was going to be the base for them as they moved forward. And education for them at that time, really, they didn't really see it as an important thing. And if that's how they saw it for their sons, it was much worse for their daughters because they didn't think that daughters needed to be educated. Exactly. And so how, 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 how would you, or how did they talk to a family who had daughters and explain to them that education was important for their daughters? Well, uh, they would talk to them that they needed the education just as much as a man because they got, what if they got married and uh, they had children and their husband left them? Uh, how are they going to work? And you've got to have an education to work. So, you know, you have to have that education because what if you get divorced or get separated? Your parents cannot support you and your family. So you need to have education in case something happens like you, you know. They would preach that over and over to the, the girls and the parents. And that, and that was a time when, when uh, divorce really wasn't yes, an it, option, I right? Know, so. Yes, uh-huh. That was a time where you you shouldn't even get divorced, you know. But if you did, it was a, something very, very like uh, strange, in other words, because you got married, tough it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't go back to you can't go back to your parents. Well, and and I understood that that's what a lot of parents would say to the daughters. Yes. You're, you're going to get married. Make sure this is what you want to do because once you're married, there's no way back home. Yeah, that, you uh, have to stay. Yeah, and, that's right. Um, I I think sometimes for myself, it's like oh, what a, what a, you know uh, an old fashioned thing to say because how can you say that to your yeah, daughter? But, but that was true. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was true that you know you're you're going to get married. You make sure you you know who you're marrying. Because there's no way back, you know. I, I like as as we've got couples hand in hand going down the sidewalk. As you're you're going those words, I hope they listen to that. <laughs> Kathy, Make let's sure your if we works. got time to take a quick break here. Let's uh, do sure. that. And uh, you are listening to Riasis here on KZSM.org, True Community Radio, every Sunday afternoon or evening, excuse me, uh, from seven until eight o'clock. Kathy brings some wonderful guests here, and it's your roots, your past, present, and future. And this is this is a commentary show, and the views expressed on this show are those of the hosts, the guests, not necessarily those of KZSM uh, or SMTXCRA. The governing board will be right back with you. 
On the next Mothering Earth, all about the renowned artist named Wyland, his amazing life-size murals of whales, and his foundation, which focuses on ocean and water conservation. Mothering Earth is your source for sustainable living news, and it's on KZSM, True Community Radio, 11 a.m. on the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month. Okay, what's up, San Marcos? Wit here. Welcome to Music Medicine. Get a refill of Music Medicine every Monday at 7 p.m. on kzsm.org. DJ Wit and her handsome producer Ace administer an hour-long eclectic playlist to cure what ails them. Not affiliated with Big Pharma. Music Medicine. Right here on KZSM.org. Just south of Weird, True Community Radio. New for 2022 is the monthly series, The Personhood Project, made possible by a grant from the San Marcos Art Commission. At its core, The Personhood Project is a poetry exchange that looks to connect incarcerated writers to the larger poetry community. Writings from the project culminate into this series, which explores poetry's ability to provide the tools necessary to process trauma, lead toward personal growth, and help reduce recidivism in the carceral system. Tune in to The Personhood Project the last Sunday of each month at 4 p.m. for conversations with poets about these subjects and so much more. And we are back with you here on Riasis on Sunday evening, the 21st of May, 2023. And back to Kathy here. You know, earlier we talked about, uh, you know, the soldiers that went off to war during World War II. And um, we had um, uh, in the uh, from Spanish-speaking families almost 500,000 soldiers that went off to war. And, you know, you, you're there fighting as an American. You know, they had all these, these uh, film reels that you would see, you know, when you went to the movies about, uh, you know, American patriotism. And while you're there fighting, you know, you're American, but that you come, ho- you come home and then they see you as, as, as something different. And, you know, the one thing that really uh, propelled uh, the American GI Forum into the national spotlight was the uh, Felix Longoria Affair. So tell us a little bit about about the Felix Longoria affair. Well, uh, the Felix Longoria, he, he, of course, he was he died in the war, you know, in World War II, and he was sent. His body was sent to uh, his town, to Three Rivers, and when he got there, they of course took him to the funeral home, you know, and uh, of course at the time they just told him, okay, put it there. But then when they found out that he was a Mexican, you know. And uh, they said, no, you can't be here, you know. And the, the, the parents said, yes, we got to bury him at the cemetery. And where can we take him? He says, this is a funeral home that everybody uses, you know. I said, yeah, but the Mexicans don't use this funeral home. And, and he cannot be buried in the cemetery also. You have to bury him wherever, I don't know, but you're not going to bury him in the cemetery. And so the parents were devastated. They just didn't know what to do, you know, but then the American Jet Farm came in, you know, and they said, no, this is not going to happen, you know. So they uh, took the the body and to the church, you know, and uh, to the Catholic Church and um, left him there. And then uh, 
some of the members from the Jet Forum uh, called Washington and they flew over there and uh, talked to whoever they were supposed to talk over there. They were the commanders for the state of Texas and, you know, and the, uh, the secretary and the vice chair and everybody, you know, the, the, the officers. And um, they went and they said what was happening. So Linda B. Johnson came all the way to Three Rivers and he says, y'all didn't want this, this soldier to be buried here in Three Rivers after he fought for a country, after he fought for you so you wouldn't be killed, you know. And, uh, but little do you know that he's going to be buried in the Arlington Cemetery in Washington. So Linda B. Johnson took him all the way to the cemetery in Arlington, and he's buried in the Arlington Cemetery in Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it must have been hard, and I can only imagine that as a parent that you sent, you know, your, your sons off to war, right? And um, he lost his life there, and it was three years before they, the parents received his body back into right. the United States. Mm -hmm. So now you've got this three years of waiting, you know, and this anticipation is building up. And I can and just imagine a, a mother's heart, and now he's come home, and you, you have to deal with this. Yes you know, the, the, this thing now, and um, it it was, um, I'm sure, a very hard thing at the time, but, you know, he um, kind of, I think, in a way, ended up with a little bit better uh, yes, place to be because he's in a national cemetery, you know, one of the most prestigious cemeteries in our country. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing, too, is people don't 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 realize, but, you know, we always hear about uh, you know, the places in, in Europe, like, like Normandy and those places. But the place that he got sent to was the Philippines. Yes, and he, he died in the Philippines. In the Philippines and yes. and um, I, I think people don't really realize that it was a decision that was made by the American government to send uh, soldiers who spoke Spanish mm -hmm. into this area. So we kind of really sent a lot of our Hispanic soldiers to go die there. Uh, because it, it, it was a, a move that the United States government saw as beneficial for them because the Philippines had That's been right. under the Spanish rule and they spoke Spanish in certain parts of the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think we don't really hear the full story. So I think when you add that, it's just like that onion that you're peeling away. So there was just layers and layers and layers yeah. added to this uh, to this Felix Longoria affair. Yeah, and he had he did part real good at the war, you know. Mm -hmm. He had a lot of awards and everything, you know. And, and then they they just they did make a book. You know, he has a book and he also has a disc mm -hmm. of a movie of the movie. Oh wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um so let let me ask you this question because you you the and I don't know if this is still the case. So the American GI Forum is one thing, and then they have an auxiliary. Is that correct, or are they now this one and the same? No, uh, the GI Forum is the same now. Mm -hmm. at, at that time in the past, the ladies were an auxiliary. But later on, the auxiliary wasn't the right thing to do, so they decided, uh, Dr. Hector, because he had decided, no, uh, the GI Forum should be equal 
the ladies and the men. Mm-hmm. We should have an American GI Forum chapter for the women and a GI Forum for the men. Well, yeah, because how can you ask for equality when you're not giving the women the equality? Yes. And I would think that when we really look at a lot of the organizations, and I think even like in the Rotary Club, the men, they, they, they do a lot, but a lot of stuff falls to the women yeah. to do. And so I'm going to assume that uh, the majority of the women, too, that were involved were doing just as hard or yeah, just in as fact, much of the they were work. doing harder work, mm-hmm. you know, because we were doing all the leg work, mm-hmm. you know. While the men needed the other stuff, we, we had to do the leg work, too, you know. So when you joined, did you join as an auxiliary, a member of the auxiliary or the member of the American No, Jeff right Hall? after the auxiliary. Okay. My sisters were in the auxiliary, mm-hmm. but I wasn't. I when when they changed to the chapter, then I I joined. You joined. So, what was your your driving force to become a part or a member of this organization? Well, what was it that drove you, compelled you? Well, it was um, my friends. Uh, they wanted me to join, and they kept telling me and telling me and telling me, and I wouldn't didn't want to do it. I was too busy with my business. I I had a restaurant and. And I said, I'm too busy. I, I can't do this, you know. I'm already playing ball, you know. I can't do both things, you know. But then I decided, my girlfriend, come on, Sylvia, come on. And I said, finally I did. And her name is, well, she's dead already, but her name was Nora Ovalle. I love Miss Ovalle. You know, and she kept bugging. We were best friends. And she kept bugging me and bugging me and until I said, okay, I'll join, I'll join, all right. So I just went one day to the meeting with her and, and um, and then I liked it, and I said, okay, I'll go ahead and join. So I went ahead and joined then, and, and since then, I've been about 30 years already, you know, with the J form. Uh, I, I am re- um, I'm the Texas uh, chair lady, which is, means like I'm the one of the commanders. Uh. But I'm for the state of Texas for the women. I am like the president so uh, curr- of all of currently? Texas. Yes, yes, uh. currently. And uh, I was the vice chair for the national uh Last year, and and uh, so uh, that's national. That means for all over the world, you know. I, I remember when I was young, and you mentioned Miss Ovaya. She, I saw her one time, and she was wearing like was it like a cap or a hat or was it blue? Maybe did y'all used to wear? Like- yeah, we have our hats. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we have our our hats like the army, uh-huh. like the soldiers. Yeah, well, we do have it, and we do wear it all the time. Yeah, because I, I distinctively remember her uh, it, wearing that. Mm-hmm. They're uh, blue with red. Yeah, and and her husband, he was a veteran. He was too, a veteran. Yeah, he was in the jet form too. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, your local involvement in, 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 in politics here, because we know that, you know, you can do it at the American GI Forum level, but I, I do know that you were involved in politics. So... Um, did you guys, when y'all were involved here, because I know in seventy in the seventies it was a hotbed for politics here for mm-hmm. Hispanic people because there were so many men that were um, voted into the uh, school board and you know to city council. Mm-hmm. So how would y'all, you know, being a fly on the wall and I'm watching, how did y'all pick y'all slate of candidates to to run and? Well, uh, normally the men were the ones that would pick who was going to uh, run, and they would talk to this man, and, and if he would say yes, or he would say no, well, then if he said no, we'd look for another one. But normally we would look for somebody that that was a little bit educated and um, that wanted to be in politics, and um, 
that uh, wasn't afraid of anything, you know, that if he, if he won, he won, if he, you know, he tried to win, but if he didn't, well, it was okay with us, you know, but we were going to work hard so he could make it, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the, the men normally were the ones that looked for it, and we just helped around as much as we could. I, I remember that, you know, being, being young and listening to a lot of stuff at that time, and it seemed like there was a lot of tension that 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 was building up. Yes. So how how did y'all how did y'all handle you know that that tension because here you are you're 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 trying to come up a little bit to get a little bit better um, equality maybe in pay and get your kids an education and you have this whole thing about it's not working for a lot of people. So what was it like at that time? Well, it was very hard because the discriminating was very, very terrible at school and everywhere else, you know. Uh, you dealt with it all the time. Um, I myself was never, hardly ever had to run as a discriminating thing because I knew how to defend myself. But there was a lot of other people that did not know how to defend themselves. Or couldn't speak up because the norm was you didn't say anything. You yes. just kind of went, you know, your your own way. Right. And uh, and me, as you know, I was very active, and I uh, I wasn't afraid of anything, you know. So and I'm very outspoken, so I, you know I didn't worry about. Must myself. be that water in Victory Gardens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, that um, that's how we did it, you know. And when we got somebody that wanted to run, we really worked hard for that person, you know. And we wanted him to win, and he would win, you know. We worked hard in the neighborhoods, I mean, trying to get all the votes and make sure that the people were, were had the poll tax. And, you so know, let's that. talk about the poll tax, because you mentioned well, that Kathy, last time. can we come back at that after the sure. break? Let's let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back, and we'll talk about the poll tax. KZSM, you're listening to Rice's here on a Sunday night. Be right back with you. Wait, do I hear bagpipes? No, I can't. I can't be hearing bagpipes. Not on KZSM.org. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. Limey's Lass has a show on Saturdays. Celtic Corner comes on at noon. I guess I am hearing bagpipes. Oh, what a day! I can't wait to see what else she's gonna play for me. San Marcos, Texas, and KZSM listeners all over the world. This is the Metal Mark Live Show. Every Thursday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, the godson of heavy metal, bringing you the old school and the new school metal here to San Marcos. Go to our main page, check out our shows. Get involved with San Marcos Community Radio. Every Thursday night, the godson will be with you. Jane, stop this crazy thing. You've been listening to my groove box. I'm Carlos, so this is Carlos's groove box on KZSM.org. Wednesdays from two to four p.m. Central Standard Time, San Marcos, Texas. Y'all, and it's Carlos Cedillo, and uh, he will be our musical host. Here this next Friday night, we've got the KCSM's Blooming Spring Gala. It's going to be at 117 North Guadalupe at the San Marcos Arts Center. 
in San Marcos, Texas, 78666. It's going to be from 7 to 9 p.m. this next Friday, May 26. Hors d'oeuvres are going to be by Blue Dahlia Bistro, Libations by Twin Liquors and Serendipity Wine, and the guitar stylings of Carlos Cedillo. And it's going to be classical guitar. It really does some great stuff he did on his show uh, last week. Um, donations are going to be $25 per person at the door. It ought to be a very nice soiree. Yeah, so make plans. Come on down and help support both the local arts and community radio here in San Marcos. Kathy, back to you. So last time you were here, we talked about the poll tax and how y'all uh, work to raise money um, for poll taxes to help people go out and vote. And um, uh, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but Ruben Ruiz, was he our very first Hispanic elected official? Yes, he was. Okay, and he was elected in 1961? Yes, he was. Uh, to, to city council? Mm-hmm. Did you work on that campaign? Yes, we did. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, we went all over the neighborhoods, the barrios, what we call them, you know, and um, make sure that everybody had a poll tax. And, and if they didn't, they said, well, we'll write you up for one because we need to vote. And and some people will say, well, we don't ever go vote. We don't even know what it is. You don't have to know what it is. You're just going to have a poll tax, and when the time comes, you're going to go vote. <laughs> you know, we would tell people that. So po- probably a lot of your job, too, was to educate people yes. about how the system worked. Right. We used to tell them that if you don't know what it is, this is what's happening. Uh, we need to get rid of this segregation and all the discriminating that that there is here in town, you know. Uh, so we need to put people over there to fight for us, you know. And then they would say, oh, okay, you know. So uh, some of them didn't have the money because it was, at the time, I think it was $2. And um, some people just didn't have the money. And I said, just do the application. Don't worry about the money, you know, because we always had funds for the money to pay for them in case they needed money, you know, for, for the Poltex, because not everybody. But then you know how the Mexican people are too proud and I said, no, you come back a certain day and we'll pay you, mm-hmm. you know. And my, the majority of them were like that, you know. And that's how we got a lot of people and the people uh, elected because of uh, getting their poll tax. And then when the time was to to uh, go vote, we would go back and, you know, I was one of the ladies that would go uh, talking all over the barrios on the microphone with the car, you know, saying, come out and vote. We need you, you know. I, I miss that. I, I wish that in one of our elections that somebody would actually get out there and, you know, go with a, a bullhorn or, a, you know, a radio. Yeah, and, that was and exciting, that you know, to go all over the, the barrios and, you know, get people all excited and y'all come out and vote. And if you can't go, we'll pick you up and take you and bring you and all this kind of stuff, you know. Well, when was the last election you remember? I remember back early 2000s, there was still some folks doing that around some of the neighborhoods. So, yeah. I, I asked you, and tell the story about Robert Cavazos. Oh, yeah. Well, he had a band, and uh, he fixed it up to where we could talk on it, you know, and and uh, so everybody could hear, you know, big speakers outside and, and everything. And, and, of course, everybody was, I'm not going to go talk, you know. Was it? I'm not going to go talk. And I was, oh, well, I'll go ahead and talk. Just give me the microphone. I'll do it. So I, I, would, I would be on that microphone for all day, and then... One driver would come in and another driver would come in. I was still in the truck, you know. <laughs> I loved it. I liked it. You know, it was good. And Mr. Cavazos was also a mayor of the city of San Marcos? Oh, yes. And he was elected. Yes, right? he was. And he was also in the American Jet Farm. Um, tell, tell me um, a little bit about 
you know, today we hear a lot of uh, people say that they show up to go and vote and they get turned away or they get mistreated. During that time when we were, we were having all these issues, was there an event like that that happened where you would come to vote and, and they wouldn't let you vote? Or did we, did we experience that here? Well, uh, they didn't want you to vote, but they had to. You know, they didn't like it. They, 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 they make faces. They, they did all sorts of things, you know, but we didn't care. We, told, we would tell the people, don't worry about what they do. You just go vote. And this is the way you do it. We had a, a card where it said, vote here, vote here, or vote here, you know. And we show them, check this and this and this, you know. Yeah. And uh, they would do it, you know. And, of course, you know, of course, the Anglos, they didn't like it, you know. They didn't want to because they didn't want the Mexicans to, to be in office, you know. So let me ask you this question because I, I, you know, with a lot of my friends, we talk about how sometimes at the city they, you know, ask you to get put on commissions. But sometimes you get on the commission and you, you, you want things to go a certain way, but the, the boards are already stacked. So, so what the uh, idea that you have or what you're bringing to the table is not going to pass because there are already other people that, that have a different agenda, right? So when you start to vote in um, um, people into office, but you only get one or two, did you feel like we got them in, but we aren't gaining any traction because they're, you know, four other people that don't want what we want? But, uh, yes, but there, was, there wasn't very much we could do because at least we, we had the door open a little bit, mm -hmm. you know. And once the door opened, it was going to go open a while after a while, you know. We figured, well, slowly but surely, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that's what happened. Did, was there a, cam a campaign that, that you remember, you know, out of all the campaigns that the, you remember the, the most? The most campaign that I remember was Mr. Luciano Flores. Uh, I mean, that, that campaign was big time. We, we, we worked so hard because we wanted him to be mayor because he had already been pro-mayor because the other person so died he was or something. He, yeah, he was elected by uh -huh, council. Yes, and uh, after he was there, he, he learned a lot of stuff that he didn't know at the time. But he learned a lot, so we figured, well, he would make a good mayor since he's already a pro-mayor, you know. And so we He has were, a little bit of experience. Yes, uh -huh. he knows people And there. he experienced it, and he learned a lot that, that he, what was going on, in other words. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to, to, to learn that, you know. So uh, we worked very hard in his campaign. You did know? he win? Yes, he did. He won. Okay. And I, I want to ask you, too, about... Um, you know, I, I'm always so curious about these things. I start to look. Talk to me a little bit about La Otra Voz. And that was a newspaper periodical that was put out by uh, Mr. Barton, is that correct? Yeah, and uh, Mr. What was his name? Palomo? Or oh, yeah, Juan, Juan. Juan Palomo. Yes. But he wrote articles. For yeah, he the... write articles. Okay. He, he so would write articles. But Bob Barton had the, had the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And that was one man that was not prejudiced. That man was very good with all the Mexicans. Mr. Barton? Yes, and his son too. Mm -hmm. um, so what was the purpose for the, for the was, was the paper written in Spanish or in English? No, it was in English. In English? Yeah, but everything that they put in there was what's happening, what was happening, you know, the, all the discriminating and this and that, it was put in that paper. Everything. So that was in the 1970s, yes, right? Yes, it was in the 70s. And so do you, do you feel, um, 
as they were writing this paper that it was kind of helping your cause? It was helping a lot of people that didn't know mm -hmm. uh, what was happening in the political world. You know, they didn't know. So in this paper, they, they explained everything. I mean, everything was said in that paper. Mm -hmm. Did did that bridge over to the Anglo community? Was there a lot of Anglos that then became aware? They could, they could get it, yeah. They could get it. They came aware of it, but there was nothing they could do about it. But that also brought on a lot of animosity. Yes, uh, it did. Uh, towards Bob Barton, is yes. that correct? Yes. Because you know you you know he's straddling these two worlds now, and you know you have to pick one or the other, right? You're helping them, and they're not happy over on this side. Well, yeah, but he didn't care. Mm -hmm. He said, "This is this is what I want to do, and and it shouldn't be this way. It should be this way, you know." And so, I he was he was doing the right thing, mm -hmm. you know. He was doing the right thing, so uh, he didn't care what happened. He 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 hung around mostly with the Spanish people, you know. He didn't hang around too much with the Anglos, mm -hmm. but he had friends like the judge uh, Eddie Etheridge and a lot of others that followed him and followed us too, you know. And so, you know, we know that uh, the um, the American GR Forum is, is really strong in the education part. And you guys do your part here in San Marcos to try to help uh, kids that are graduating mm -hmm. from um, the high school to go on to that, to that next level of education. But now we have so many people that, that are vying for all this money. And um, what advice do you give somebody at the high school level who's, you know, who's going to be graduating uh, to go and seek out money? Because you guys give scholarships, but y'all are limited to the amount of scholarships that you, that you can give. So what advice would you give a, a high school senior? Well, uh, we norm normally when I go to the school, I normally talk about education and how they can get scholarships. They can go to the career development center that they have at the high school, and Ms. Delgadillo is the one that runs that. And uh, there's a whole bunch of scholarships, I mean, from everywhere, factories, stores, chapters, uh, you know, So it's not, it's not the, the local scholarships, but you're talking no, about other, other scholarships. Yes, other places, and, and, and local and non-local. And all you have to do is go and apply for them and put your resume in with it. And if they like it, they'll send you, you know, a scholarship. And some people, some of the kids there that they write their resumes, I mean, like this year there was this guy, we were going to give him a scholarship, and Greg, Mr. Delgadillo called and said, don't give him a scholarship because he's already got too many. Give it to somebody else because he already has like a hundred and something thousand that they were going to give him because of his resume and uh, what they write, you know. And uh, so he was had this college for four years paid. You know, I have a, I had a granddaughter that uh, was going to graduate, that graduated from high school in San Antonio because she went to live with her dad. She was in school here, but she went to San Antonio. I didn't want her to go because I wanted her to be a rattler, you know. But, <laughs> but she said, I got to go with my dad, Grandma. I need to stay with him, too. And I said, okay. So she left. She applied for a scholarship over there, and she got $80,000 to go to the Incarnate Word uh, mm -hmm. College. And she gradua graduated this year. Mm -hmm. And we were really proud of her, you know, because she had other scholarships from the police department. I mean, there's a lot of scholarships that a kid can do. All they got to do is go and apply for it. They're not going to give it to you if you don't apply. Right. And you got to have your resume, like, exactly... Uh, 
like, uh, let me see, I was, my mother is a single mom, and we hardly have this, we hardly have that, or whatever. A resume that means that you really want the money, and you really want to go to school. Mm-hmm. And uh, You'll find a way. And you'll find it. They'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're on our last segment, and I, I, I want to give you the opportunity, Memorial Day is is coming up and uh you well, know are we do we want to take the break before we go into sure. that last segment okay we're, we're now headed in the last segment kzsm uh, you are listening to Riasis here on kzsm.org be right back with you have you ever listened to your music source and decided you know it's just not making any sense to me i sure would like to hear some music kind of dancing in nature but kind of mellow as well well i have got the program for you it is called the melancholy tea party and it is heard live tuesday mornings at nine on kzsm.org hi this is steve chelmsford reminding everyone to catch my show the mop tops and the king featuring an hour of the greatest two artists in the history of rock and roll elvis and the beatles Every Monday evening at 9 p.m. right here on KZSM, San Marcos Community Radio. And we're back with you here in the KZSM studios uh, with Miss Garza and Kathy Lara. So, you know, as we head into our last, last segment, you know, I, I know um, that, um, you know, your, your family suffered a loss of a, you know, of a son and a brother. And we're going into the Memorial Day weekend. And I want you to um, tell us a little bit about your, your brother. And uh, tell us about the story of um, the, the um, officials from the military that came to, to um, San Marcos. Uh, well, my brother was... So, what was his name, Juan? John, John Paul. Uh, and uh, he was a staff sergeant. And... Uh, he went into the military very young because he was drafted. At the time, they would call you to go in, you know. And he was very young when he went, but when he died, he was 26 years old, I think, 26. And uh, he fought in the Normandy invasion. He fought in Japan, and then he fought in the Normandy invasion. And that's when he was killed in the Normandy invasion. And, uh, but, he did so many uh, things while he was in the military over there in the war that when he died, um, I, don't, I was like seven years old, and I remember that they came and they had a, a, a war thing at the Guatemala Park. At the time, it wasn't closed, it was all opened, and I'm sure you remember mm-hmm. when it was like that. and. Um, the cur- I don't know if it was a colonel or if it was a general that came over with my brother's body. They brought my brother's body, and, and uh, they went to the Guatemoc, and my mother was awarded with a lot of medals, and they spoke a lot about my brother, and he was the only one that was ever coronated here in town, you know. Why? I have no idea because I was little, but... He was, he's always been the only one that, has, that they have done that, mm-hmm. you know, and he was, he was and, and I remember that Ruben Riz had a lot to do with him bringing to the Wakdemak because that was the only place that was big enough. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and it was during the day. It wasn't at night, it was during the day. And uh, he was awarded with a lot of uh, medals, award of uh, valor and Purple Heart and Bronze Star and Silver Star and a lot of other medals that he was, uh, my mother had, they gave her, you know, at that day. And uh, it was, it was something exciting to me because, you know, it was sad at the time because my mother was crying and, and my sisters and, you know, because we had lost my brother, you know. To me, it wasn't as bad because I was little. The, yeah, the scope you of know. understanding, you really didn't yeah. understand what it meant. Uh -huh. you know. I knew he was going to be gone and I was not going to see him no more, but I wasn't like my older sisters because I was a baby at the time. You know, so I didn't, uh, it, it like, it didn't hurt me as much as they did my older family, you know, and my mother. But we were really excited about what they did to my brother. Uh, he did a lot of actions while he was in, war, in the war, you know, and that's why they did that. Which kind of brings us a full circle back to the American GI Forum, because here we have this organization now who's trying to fight for these rights. And here we are in this city where you have a, a, a son who is now being um, honored with all these mm -hmm. uh, military awards, but yet he's not honored in the city. He's honored right. in, in, you know, in the Hispanic yes. neighborhood. That's right. And, and so I think, yeah, now we've come full circle and we see this. And um, I think we are almost out of time. And I want to thank you for coming to the show. I'm always... Um, I'm always fascinated because I always learn something new and I hope you continue to, to come because I just love picking your brain and, uh, you know, Mr. Garza, just as y'all are just a, a wealth of knowledge for me. Well, we were born and raised in this town and we're part of the oldest people here in town, you know, so we kind of know just about everything, you know, and being in business for 60 years. Uh, that has a lot to do with it also. And you, you, you've kind of helped to kind of change the landscape too, right? You know, you, you, you were at the forefront of the civil rights here here in the city, and you've watched it change and grow in a lot of things that you do like and a lot of things that, that you don't like. And, and the more you leave, the more you learn. Yeah. <laughs> and the more you see things that are so different now, yeah. you know. I mean, everything is, is all different, even the kids. You know, the children has come to where um, they don't have any respect for the elders like when we were growing mm -hmm. up, you know. We had respect to the elders. We had respect to the parents. Nowadays, the kids don't even have respect for their own parents. Mm -hmm. I've seen it at restaurants. I've seen it in homes, you know, everywhere. Hey, the, the change in society, and it reminds me, I saw um, something on social media where there was a mom who was really upset because she had taken her children out to eat at a restaurant, and it, it was a, a Mexican food restaurant, and she'd gotten there with her mother. Her mother had gone in, and she came out, and she told uh, her daughter that the restaurant was saying that they weren't going to serve them. And the daughter goes in, and she, she asked why, and she said, because your kids are disruptive and they make a mess and y'all don't clean up after after yourselves. And and she did not take too kindly to it. And so she went on and she um, made a social media post about how, you know, was it right? They're going in and they're paying. And, and, and kind of like you and I remember my dad used to tell us, um, 
And, and I had to laugh when I read that because my dad was saying, you know, if we're going to go out, y'all better not behave like animales because we can just stay home for that, right? That's true. So, yeah, you know, and, and I thought about I thought about that because, you know, we, we could not misbehave if oh, we were going no. to Oh, no, my kids, we go to restaurants. I remember on Sundays we used to go to Christie's in Austin. Mm-hmm. We loved to go to Christie's, and I took my kids, my four kids with me, and I said, I'm taking you to the restaurant, and you all better sit down, and you all better be quiet. You can order whatever you want to, but you're not going to run around or do anything because the first one that gets up is going to the car, and I'm going to really give you a good one, and you're going to stay in the car. <laughs> you know? Well, sure, you know, I mean, you, you go in public. But they and did you behave, the kids, you know. Yeah. That My kids were pretty good because it was girls, you know, and I only had one son, and he was this younger one, so they, they behaved pretty good. It's the guy, the little boys are the ones that are so bad, you know, a little worse than the girls, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I, I want to thank you for coming, and we want to remind everybody about the uh, Memorial Day um, oh, celebration yes. over over at the uh, Memorial uh, Center here on. Uh, the, the Hayes County Memorial yeah. Center yeah. is uh, here on Hutchinson Street, right across. No, it's not, on, not, not, again. Hopkins. Hopkins Street. I, River, I, I, River, I, I'm River, sorry. Hopkins and Riverside. Hopkins and Riverside. Thank you. I was. I don't know where the hutch at the H. I apologize, Hopkins folks. It's Riverside. It's right across from the uh, community uh, center. Activity center. And uh, it's going to be at ten o'clock on this next Memorial Day. So come out, and it is a very somber event. But I think everyone in the community needs to come and to hear the names of those that have given their lives for our community and for our country. So I Kathy. always go. We'll, we'll see y'all uh, next Sunday, and we'll be uh, talking about Janie Lucio, and we'll be Avon calling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody is looking forward to that show. Okay, this is going to be a good yeah, one. Yeah, she Maybe. was some, some lady. She was a friend of mine. Lived not very far from my house. This will be next week here on Riasis. Thank you for tuning in tonight, folks, and we'll be back with you next week. Well, thank you.